there's just such a, um, a sense of expectation today, isn't there? Are you feeling it? Are you feeling like you came into church today and you expected God to do something? I know different people I've been speaking to before the service that are just like showing signs of expectation and, um, and that's what um, I'm, I'm feeling today too. In fact, um, all week I've been praying, you know, what should I preach about? What should I preach about? And like I wasn't really getting anything. Like I'd set aside Friday, I'd set aside Saturday to work on it. And it wasn't until 8 o'clock last night that God gave me this message, but I really believe that it's something that we need to hear and something that God wants to do. Um, but can I just say, I, I love this church. I love um, how you all interact and how you all care for one another, and particularly how you've done that through COVID. You know, each one of you have been reaching out, checking up on people, um, and um, encouraging people, and still meeting, still catching up. Um, and doing phone calls and all sorts of things. And that's just such a credit to you. I remember the first time I ever came here. I was actually not planning to come here. I had just moved to Portugal. And, um, and I had looked up churches that I thought would probably be churches that I would want to go to. And I came down to two churches, uh, Riverside uh, and another one. I don't know if you guys know this, actually. <laughs> And um, yeah, and so I put both I put both of them in Google Maps on my phone with the addresses and everything. And the first Sunday that I was in Portugal, I'm like, right, which which church am I going to go to? God, show me. And um, and I actually chose the other one. Sorry, <laughs> I hadn't met you yet. <laughs> um, but the funny thing was, so I put in my Google Maps and like figured out how to get here, and I got to across the street and realised that my I'd put it in the map wrong and I'd swapped them around in, my, in the map, and I was here. And the funny thing was that I was praying that morning, God, which one do I go to? Because I was really torn as to like where do I go? And God, can you just please show me where to go? And and I guess he did. <laughs> uh, he led me here. And, and that was just something that really spoke to me because I was kind of like, I don't know which, which one to go to. Do I go to a Portuguese church? Do I go to an English-speaking church? Um, which, which is best? And, um, yeah, and by mistake, but probably not by mistake, I, I ended up here. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to be here today and to see what God's doing and to be part of it. Um, and I'm really excited about what God is going to do today um, in our lives, in your lives, in us together as a church, because um, I really believe that God really wants to work today. Uh, he wants to do something. Can you believe that it is May already? Like, like 2020 was a bit of a blur, like... And we kind of were hoping at the end of 2020 that this whole pandemic would be over. I don't know. We all sort of thought as soon as the, the clock dials 2021 that it'll just magically be over and it'll all be finished. And now it's 2021 and it's May and everything's been flying and, um, and we're still in pandemic mode. But can I say things are changing? Can you feel it in the air? Like even today we're able to be together, you know, restaurants are opening up more, things are changing. Uh, as Gabby was saying, God is on the move. And it's time to rebuild. 
Um, This morning, my sermon is on uh, rebuilding the ancient ruins. And I want to talk a bit about that. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the pandemic and what it's done to us. Like maybe, I don't know if you're like me, but there's something about the pandemic and staying at home all the time. And um, you kind of got into this same old, same old routine. I remember like even in home group, um, you know, we ask everyone, how's your week been? And everyone's kind of like, well, I stayed home and it's the same. And like, and almost like we kind of got to the point where we didn't want to ask people how people's weeks work because it was everyone just had the same, same answers like, oh, same old, same old. Uh, nothing's happened. And we've kind of had a whole six months or 18 months of that now of, um, of same old, same old routine. And we've, we've sort of gotten over the fear of COVID, even though... When it, when it pops up, like for, for people in India, it rears its ugly head again. But here in Portugal, we've kind of learnt to live with it a bit. Uh, and we've learnt to survive. Uh, really, when you think about it, we've been in survival mode for the last year, haven't we? Just going, you know, we've been hearing about death all the time. We've been hearing about disease all the time. Um, and it takes a toll, doesn't it? Does anyone here just feel tired? Yeah, I see quite a few hands coming up, which is amazing because I can't really see that far when I've got my glasses on. But (laughs) I can only see here, which is what I need to see. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of like we're in survival mode. We We don't know how to move forward. And there's something about survival mode which just focuses on us on the day-to-day and we never go past that. Like it's just what is today? Anything about hoping for the future, anything about dreaming for the future, forget that. It's like we're just on today. And I know this because um, if you don't know, I spend most of my work week working on um, fighting human trafficking. Um, so um, that's that's what I do as my profession. I'm working in in fighting that. And as part of that, I'm often meeting survivors of human trafficking. And in fact, um, a few years ago, I ran a shelter in Romania for survivors of human trafficking. And there's one thing that you notice when someone comes out of a super traumatic situation is it's kind of like they have to rebuild their whole life again. It's like simple things. Like, for someone that's been forced into prostitution, a a, a thing to learn is how to be awake during the day rather than at night. Like, to you it seems obvious, but to them it's it's not. It's It's a simple thing to have to learn how to say what you want, how to say no to people because they've been having people tell them what they have to say all the time, making all their choices for them. In fact, what we would do when a survivor came in and we were meeting them for the first time is we would do an interview with them and we would on purpose say, which chair would you like to sit in? Would you like the window open or closed? Um, And we would do that on purpose because we wanted them to start voicing their own opinion because that was really important to their restoration. In fact, psychologists and psychiatrists say that if survivors of human trafficking don't start expressing what they want within those first three days, they probably never will. 
So it's really important when we're interviewing them and bringing them into programs that we're almost forcing them to make decisions for themselves because they've got out of practice of saying what they want because they've had pimps telling them what they need to do or they've had um, clients telling them what's got to happen and their voice just disappears in it and they've got to retrain themselves and they've been so used to um, being in survival mode. So do you know how... Do you know how a lot of survivors cope through all this forced prostitution? It's because they're thinking, if I do this, it's going to help someone else. They've had to shift it in their mind away from themselves about this is happening to me. And if I do this, well, then the pimp's not going to go and get my son or the pimp's not going to go and attack my family because that's what they do. They threaten them and they say, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, and they'll show them photos of their family, recent photos, and they'll say, I'm going to go after them if you don't do what, you, what you've got to do. So they endure this horror because they don't really have a choice, but in their mind they've made it their choice to cope and to do this for someone else. So that's how they get through it. Like They get through it by helping someone in their mind, making it being about them helping someone else. Um, but in that, in the day-to-day of that, in the day-to-day of having someone else tell you what to do, what to wear, what to eat, when to sleep, who to have sex with, they, they, they get very routine and they forget to dream because it's all about surviving the day. And it hasn't been as extreme for that for us. But can we just acknowledge right now that we have all been through something in this last year? We have all been through a traumatic pandemic. And we have all been through a time that has been hard for us. It's, and it's like little by little we've made all these adjustments and somewhere in that we've forgotten to cope. We've forgotten to hope. We've forgotten to dream because everything's just been coming, been about how do I go about tomorrow? And our whole world's been shifting. It's been enough just to know I've got a place to stay tonight. It's been enough to know I've got a job. You know, all of the other hopes and dreams have sort of become non-essential, haven't they? But God's saying it's time to rebuild. It's time to start dreaming again. It's time to start hoping again. It's time. It's time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a hope and a future for you. He doesn't want you in like the... You know, the little science experiment where they have the mouse running in the wheel and you're just going around and around and around and around and around and around and around. around. God's got more for you than that. He's got more for you than just the routine that you've been in. You've been in that routine because you've had to survive. You've had to survive, but now it's time to start dreaming. Now it's time to start hoping that there can be a better future. And we are the church. We need to be the people of hope. We need to be the people of hope for ourselves, for each other, but also for our community. You know, you carry something in you. If you are a Christian, you carry the Holy Spirit in you. You carry 
a hope that can get out into the community, that can change things. And people notice it. They may never say anything, but they notice it. I can remember once I was speaking, uh, again in Romania, to a bunch of um, high school students and I had a member of the government with me from the Anti-Trafficking Authority and it was the first time that we'd worked together. And, um, and at the end she comes out and she goes, we're, like we went out for coffee afterwards and she goes, there's something, there's something about you. And she goes, it's like you really love those students. And I'm like, well, of course. <laughs> of course, that's why I don't want any of them to get trafficked. That's why I'm spending my time doing this. And then, then there was something and we went on. And then I, I happened to mention something about, yeah, I'm a pastor. And then she's like, that's it. I knew there was something about you. Like, there's something about you. But, you know, it doesn't matter whether you've got the title pastor or not. It just matters whether you've got the Holy Spirit living in you. And you all do. If you profess to God, you have the Holy Spirit. He comes to live with you when you become a Christian and you can shine your light on the community. God has something for you to do and it's, and it's more than just living the day to day. So let's start thinking about rebuilding. It's time to rebuild. God has given you a future and a hope. You might not know what it is yet, but that doesn't make it any less real. He's given you a future and a hope to do something in the community, to do something that impacts other people. Like God has not designed you just to come to him and have a nice life. He's designed you to be an agent in the community, to change community, to transform community, to bring hope into the community. And that's what he wants to use you for. And I want to ask you today, are you in? Are you in? Are you going to be part of it? Are you going to put your hand up and go, yep, I'm, I'm part of it. I'm going to bring hope to the community. I'm going to, going to outwork whatever God has uniquely gifted in me and I'm going to give it to the community because God wants to use you. Now, I love renovation shows. Um, I've got someone staying with me at the moment and every, every night we pretty much watch Love It or List It. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched that on TV, but basically it's a show where um, there's a couple and one of them wants to sell the house and one wants to stay, so they have someone come and renovate it and then they go and look at some other houses and, um, and see what's best. And at the end, the couple see how the house has been renovated for their needs and then they have to decide, are they going to love it, as in are they going to stay in the house or are they going to list it, which means are they going to sell the house house um, and move away and it always and I'm terrible at guessing I always get it wrong um, uh, my friend she always gets it right <laughs> um, but I just love renovating there's something about um, seeing old things restored and made anew there's something that, about that that just gets in my spirit if any of you have ever been to my house you'll see in my lounge room I've got this old beat up leather chair and I got it on um, eBay uh, in Paris for 25 euros. So that would give you an idea of the state of it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like this old, worn leather. And it's just beautiful. I love it. Um, some people, it's not their taste, I have to say. Because down the side, it's ripped. And you can see the hay that was inside it stuff coming out. 
but I don't care. I love it. I just love the worn look of the leather and um, it becoming new. And there's something about renovating that I just love. Um, that's what I love about Europe is there's all these old buildings, often crumbling. You'll see a lot of them in Lisbon. But also when I lived in Romania, there were a lot. And I remember I had a couple when I was living in Romania. I had a couple from Australia come over and they came and, um, and stayed with me and for three months. And um, it's kind of like every time we walked down the street, I'd see this old crumbling building. And I'd be like, oh, isn't it beautiful? <laughs> like renovator's delight. Do you have that term here, renovator's delight? That's very much Australian term where you see like a house that's, you know, burnt down uh, so much and... Um, fallen apart so much that it's going to cost lots and lots of money to rebuild it and pretty much it's better to knock it down and start again. In fact, we have this thing um, in Australia where you see a lot of houses and all that's left is the chimney as a reminder of where the fire should have been. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's all these houses that are... Um, that I just look at and I go, wow, that's beautiful. There's just something in me that I love seeing old things restored and brought in new. I just love it. But you know who else loves it? God. He loves restoring new things. Um, in Isaiah 58 verse 12, this is what he says. He says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. Who are his people? You. So this is you he's talking about. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I love this verse. There's something about us, about the Christian community, that we are called to restore people. We are called to be light in our community. We are called to bring change. We are recalled to not accept the status quo for people. We are recalled to, uh, called to transform our neighbourhoods, transform the people living in our building. We are called. We are called to have an impact on one another. If your Christianity stops at you, because we like to talk about our personal relationship with God, but if that's where your Christianity stops, I question whether it's real Christianity because God always says it's about other people as well. You can't have the love of God in you and not begin to love people around you because that's what God does. He's the repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. This verse, I was, I was looking it up last night um, because, of course, God didn't give me this message until 8pm last night. <laughs> so I was, I was reading it and I was picking up my Bible and beside it I had two dates where this, this verse had particularly spoken to me. And it was in, on the 23rd of November 2006. Now back then, uh, God had like, I, I think ever since I've become a Christian, I've always been someone that's like, yeah, I want to serve God, I want to do everything, I want to change the world. But in 2006, I would never have thought that I would be standing here in Portugal doing what I'm doing now and, and fighting human trafficking. Back then, I didn't know what human trafficking was. Um, 
back then I didn't know that Romania was an actual place and yet I ended up living there. And back then I didn't even have a passport because I had no plans to travel whatsoever. And then since then I've been to, I think I'm up to 38 different countries. I've lived in four different countries. Um, and it's amazing what God can do. And now I get to serve God in, and the amazing survivors of human trafficking and um, to fight for them with governments. I get to know government officials. I get to know all these things. But I think it, was, it started then because it was something about this verse got into my heart that God might want to use me. And I hope that's getting into your heart today, that God might want to use you. Now, that doesn't mean becoming a pastor. That doesn't mean um, it might mean becoming a pastor. But it's meaning letting God use you wherever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever community you find yourself in, whatever um, whatever conversations you find yourself in. Like, I am trying to learn Portuguese at the moment um, with varied success. And, um, you know... This, this week I was praying with my language teacher. You know, she, she was telling me about how her parents have dementia and she doesn't know how to look for them. And I said, well, would you like me to pray for you? And she goes, yes. And then she sat there crying while I prayed for her. You know, we're called to be light in the community. when It doesn't have to be weird, but it's just in the normal conversations that you're around and the normal things that you're in and asking God, show me and let him lead you, and he will help you to find the right things to say to people. Because God wants to use every single one of you. He wants you to be part of what this verse says. He wants you to be someone that rebuilds the ancient ruins, that rebuilds the communities that have gone all wrong. He wants to use you, and he's inviting you to be part of it. So I want to I want to talk a little bit more through this verse and a little bit of the stuff that leads up to it. But at this time, this verse um, about rebuilding the ancient ruins is is actually a prophecy to the people, to the Christians, the Jewish people, that were in exile in Babylon. So you've probably all heard about uh, when Moses... um, that the Israelites were leaving Egypt because they were in slavery and Moses came along and prayed and the Red Sea split and they were all saved and they moved forward and they wandered in the desert for 40 years and then they eventually went into the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey and um, started taking that over. But what you may not be so familiar with is that the Israelites or the Jewish community ended up in slavery again. And this time it was with Nebuchadnezzar. Try spelling that. Um, I wrote it down and was like, no. <laughs> um, but, it, but he was this king and he was taking over all of the Middle East. And uh, there was actually a prophecy that the, the Israelites would be in exile for 70 years. So taken out of their country and taken out for 70 years. Um, because they hadn't followed what God wanted, they'd, they'd followed other gods and they weren't listening and they were doing their own thing. They weren't doing things the, gate, the way God wanted to be done and um, this was how God got their attention and they ended up in exile. And so you had um, 
King Nebuchadnezzar like come in and do like a country takeover kind of thing. Um, and uh, the first thing he did, and this is over a period of about 10 years, the first thing he did was he came and took the talented people of the country. Uh, some of them you might have heard of, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These were all the talented leaders of the country, and he came and he took them away. Now, if you can imagine in Portugal or whatever country you're from, you know, when people want to pull a country down, they take away the talented people. Um, I know in Cambodia, um, I've been there um, to the killing fields there and that's where they just, they went through and killed every educated person because they didn't want the country to be able to think for itself. And I know a lot of you are from countries where similar things have happened. And this is what happened here, is Nebuchadnezzar came and he took all of the brightest people away. Um, so then the country had to, to figure out how to move on from there. Then three years later, the country decided, okay, we're going to rebel. Um, but then there was a siege and Nebuchadnezzar came back uh, and made it worse. Um, he actually came himself. He didn't send his team to come and do the dirty work this time. Nebuchadnezzar came and he took control of the area. He looted it, so he took all the important things uh, and he took captive with him uh, the king, the king's son, the, the family and almost all of the population. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the desolation that's get, that gets left behind? So, And like all of these people, it's kind of like they've all been kicked out of their country and put somewhere else and told, you belong to us now. It's like another form of slavery, isn't it? And then, uh, and the king left only the poorest people of the land, who the poorest people would have been uneducated, they would have not, not known about how to build structures or roads or any of the infrastructure that a country needs. Um, you know, they wouldn't have had the training for that. Um, and then, again... They tried to have another siege uh, nine years later. So, you know, the first time it happened, then there was three years of rebellion. Now it's nine years, so up to 12 years of the country still trying to fight for themselves. And uh, this time the king was taken captive to Babylon and um, they killed his sons before him and then uh, gauged out his eyes after that. So the last thing he saw was his... Um, family being killed so you can see and you know word would get around again people got taken you know it's horrific things um the jewish people were taken captive again and again just a smaller remnant of the poorer people poor people in the town were left uh to work the land but pretty much the um they burned all the houses, they um, burned the temple. So it's kind of like to recognition they've, they've come in and the first they've taken the talented people away, then they've taken the leadership away, and now they've taken the whole belief system away because they've taken the temple. So can you imagine if you were a Jewish person in that time, you have now been moved to another country you know your leadership have been killed. You know all these things. You know that the temple where you worship God has been destroyed. Your house has been destroyed. I know a lot of you can really identify with this. 
because you've come from war-torn countries. But imagine the devastation. And then we have, you know, we've been in COVID for one year, one and a half years. They were in this situation of complete devastation for 70 years. And that's where this prophecy comes in. This is the prophecy that God gave them to hold on to through that time. Because God never leaves us without hope. He never leaves us without a future or a hope. And so this is what God said to them. He said, if you get rid of... Because God needed to address the reason why this had happened. Because they weren't following his things. They were following other gods. They were just doing the religious... Um, the religious movements of of fasting and praying, but there was no meaning in it. And I'm wondering if through COVID, in your routine, if that's become your life a bit, if you've just become very routine, you're not asking God for anything more, you're not hoping for anything more, you're not believing for God anything more. But it's time to start hoping again. It's time to rebuild. So he said, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. This is what God wants to do. He wants to move in your life. He wants to turn you into a person of hope, a person of light. But There's some things that you've got to do to get there. So start being generous. Be a person of hope in your community. These aren't difficult things to do. You know, when you see something unfair, speak up. Um, Don't gossip about other people. You're in control of how much you gossip. Um, You know, if you see someone hungry, be generous towards them. You know, give yourselves to the people, the need you see around you. Um, And then your lives will begin to glow in darkness and your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. And then God says, I will always show you where to go. Maybe you feel a bit lost at the moment, like you're in a country, maybe you didn't plan to be here. I know Jordan and Miranda, you guys didn't plan to be here right now. You were planning to move around. Um, maybe, Maybe you're another person that, also didn't plan to be here, but God will always show you where to go. And he says, I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. He has a promise for you. Everything can be empty around you, but he can give you a full life in that. But your full life is based on how you interact with others, how you worship God. You know, one of my favorite verses is in the Bible is when God asks, um, someone asks Jesus, what's the most important thing? And he said, love your God with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your heart, with everything that you've got. But not just that. Love one another as yourself. The two go together. If you're only doing half of the puzzle, you're not going to have the full life. It's about worshipping God, but it's also about loving people. Your Christianity, your belief system has to change to reach out to other people. Um, And that's what I want to challenge you with today. He says, I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Even in the middle of COVID, you can have a full life. He'll give you firm muscles and strong 
bones. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. I know, um, I know um, again, I, I mentioned that I had written this date in my diary, in my, in my Bible next to that verse. But the verse before it, I had also written in there and um, on the 24th of the 10th, 2018, so just three years ago, I was actually in Australia then and I was planning on moving to Italy. And I was going, God, it's not working. What am I meant to be doing? How do I, where am I meant to go? And then that's when God gave me this verse. And uh, in the NIV, it says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Now, does a sun-scorched land sound like Portugal to you? So God was guiding me and leading me here. He he also said a well-watered garden. And I think, you know, we've just had the month of April, the month of a thousand rains. Is that the saying, Julia? Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's like a well-watered garden here as well. But that was just a verse that God really spoke to me about coming to Portugal and made me feel like this is the right place for me to be. And I love in the, um, in the message version how it talks about... Um, it's, I've got another version, if we just pop it up. Um, it says, you will use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. So this is a different version of the verse I showed you earlier about you will rebuild the ancient ruins. He says, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. Now, if you think about um, the Israelites at that time, their community was devastated, like everything had been burnt to the ground. Um, And I know some of you have experienced that where you've seen your whole city burnt to the ground and to rubble and all your hopes and dreams went with it. But God is calling us to be the people that can rebuild. He's calling us to be the people that can bring hope. He's, cause, he's calling us to so help to love people and transform them that they become contributors to the community as well. That's what God calls us to do. Are you in? Are you going to be a person to do that? Because it's time to rebuild. The time is now. It's time for us to get our hammers out and out. Jack hammers out. I kind of like the power tool version. Like it's time for us to get our renovating skills up and running on our community. It's not about literally building houses. It's about building the community, about building a sense of love and hope in the community again. It's time to rebuild and you're invited to be a part of it. If I could have the worship team up, please. You know, it says in 2 Chronicles 16, 19, that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God wants to use you. And he, right now, he's looking. His eyes are going back and forth across the earth, across this room, and going, who's with me? Who's part of this? Who can I look to help? Who is going to be working? Who are the people that I can strengthen, that are fully committed to me, that want to do things my way?
that want to rebuild the ancient ruins. You know, in Ezekiel 22.30, it says that God was looking. He was looking to and fro, and he goes, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. How heartbreaking for God that no one was chasing after him, that no one was wanting to stand in the gap and be a person of hope. I hope today that he finds a different answer in this community. I hope today he finds people that are willing to stand in the gap, that are willing to say, God, I here I am, use me. I want to be part of rebuilding the ancient ruins. I want to be part of turning this pandemic around. And maybe I won't be able to do it for the whole world. Maybe I won't even be able to do it for the whole country or the whole city. But maybe I can do it for my next door neighbour. Maybe I can do it for someone on Zoom that's on the other side of the world. Maybe I can do it for the person standing next to me. Maybe it's the person in the street. But God wants to use you. Don't let him say, I found no one. And I really want to challenge you today. It's time to rebuild. Are you going to be the kind of person that says, yes, God use me? Why don't we all stand? Why don't we just have a sincere moment of asking God, Here I am. You don't have to. There's no pressure. But I want to ask you today, are you here? Are you here for God? Not just what you can get from God, but for God. Are you willing to serve Him? Are you willing to serve Him with your life? Are you willing to be part of moving in the community? As Gabby said, God is on the move. He's doing something new. Are you going to be part of it? Are you going to be part of what God is doing? Are you going to be part of changing the, the community? Are you going to be part of bringing hope to this community, to people that desperately need it? And you might think, but I'm struggling. I don't know where I am right now. You might think, I'm, I'm hardly coping. But you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You can make a difference. God has put hope in you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity today in a very COVID-safe way, um, if you want to come to the front and respond or if you're more comfortable in your chair and you'd like someone to come and pray with you, just raise your hand and, and get our attention and we'll come and pray with you. But I want to ask you, are you ready to say, God, here I am? Because it's time to rebuild. So why don't we begin to worship God right now and let's see what God wants to do because I believe so many of you came with expectation today and I think God wants to fill you and he wants to call you and he wants to do something significant in your heart today. He wants to bring you into what he's doing. So why don't we reach out right now?